Hi, I'm Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 19, My Favorite Mistake, which is a song by Sheryl Crow. Original air date was March 22nd, 2007, written by Chris Van Dusen, which is uh, his first and only true episode. But I found this a fun fact. He went on to write the majority of the webisodes that came out around season five. Back in like 2010, webisodes were like a really big thing. Thank God that died. Anyway, directed by Tamara Davis, which this is her uh, first and only episode. 22.3 million viewers, which is down from last week. What do you mean by first and only true episode? Well, because of the the webisodes. Oh, okay. So this is his only, like, actual, actual episode. episode. Yeah. Okay. But he has writing credits for the webisodes. I didn't know if you were like, yeah, he wrote an episode in, like, season 12 or something, and you were like, that doesn't count. Which... Because it's garbage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> they even have season. I don't even know what season they're on anymore. They just got renewed for 20. Didn't Meredith leave? I think Meredith left. Yeah. Why would you even watch it if she's not there? It's so stupid. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> do we even mention how long it's been or do we just jump right in? <laughs> it's literally been a year. Oh, it's been more than a year. No. Oh, 2021. I thought, I thought that said 2022. Just kidding. I can't we haven't you. recorded since 2021, December. Anyway, so Come opening in. statements... How do you feel about this episode? This episode was interesting to me because in some ways it felt kind of like one of those quote unquote like filler episodes or one of the episodes just kind of sets up a bunch of stuff, even though I felt like last episode set up a bunch of stuff for this episode. And so I don't, I don't know. It was kind of in between, like there were good moments, but it wasn't a... Home run. Yeah. If you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sports metaphors. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. Because the ending of the last episode was probably the most Grey's Anatomy ending of any episode ever. And I kind of was underwhelmed with this episode a little bit. There were like really outstanding moments that are hysterical. Mostly mostly funny moments. There are mm-hmm. a couple serious moments that are outstanding, but nothing like that I would go out of my way. I mean, I can only think of one and it was the George and Izzy moment. But really, this is not going to go down as one of my favorite episodes, but I think it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It's it's really just brutally sad. Most of this episode, yeah. Every character, every patient, it's just sad. Uh and I'm not exactly sure if I liked the way that they that they handled George and Izzy so far. But it's like I have a urge to change something, but I don't know exactly how I would. One thing I'm grateful for is that they didn't make it into like comedy. Fair. Like they yeah. took it seriously. So I like that. I was about to say I definitely like they could have done a lot worse things. With it. But there's an argument that says if this was season one, it might have been better handled. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those situations where, like, I agree with you 
that I don't know how I like, if I like how they handle it. But I also, if forced to write this episode, I don't know what I would have done. And I also like, I feel like in my perfect world of things, obviously we are huge George and Izzy fans here. But I also don't know if that's the correct move here yet. What do you mean? I don't know. Like, Like if we're supposed to be fans yet? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how I'm supposed to feel. Well, fair. But to, I've jumped. I just, I've landed. I just, in some situation, like, if they had just started off this episode with George and he's being like, yep, we're a couple, I don't know if I'd still feel worried about it because he was still married to Kat. Like, there are just things. Well, yeah, and that would be extremely weird if yeah. they did that. Well, duh. That's clearly why I'm not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, why, okay. why I did not write this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's why. <laughs> also because... I you was... were in fifth grade. <laughs> it's also that. Anyway. anyway, let's get into it when we uh, get into the episode. Yeah. All right. So, opening statement. Opening that's speech. We... Opening speech. I was uh. like, statement's not the right word. The opening speech. Uh, surgeons always have a plan. Where to cut, where to clamp, where to stitch. But even with the best plans, complications can arise. Things can go wrong, and suddenly you're caught with your pants down. Hmm. Interesting metaphor there. Metaphor? I don't yeah. Know. La Familia by <laughs> Mariah is the song that's playing. And we pick up right where I think the audience wants to pick up because of that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And uh, Izzy's laying in bed with George, and she's like flipping out but trying to stay quiet and she like finally is able to sneak out of the bed. And then she appears down in the kitchen where Christina and Meredith walk in. Um, to which Meredith delivers the line. Wow. You and George were really going at it last night. <laughs> and Izzy just goes, what? <laughs> I just like how um, Christina, I just like the detail of the, I didn't need to hear George's rendition of Sexy Back at 3 in the morning. Which I would beg to differ. I think we all do. I would love to hear that. Christina's complaining like, it's like living in a youth hostel. But how is this behavior anything new? (laughs) She's also acting like the fact that this is her house. Like, she doesn't live here. (laughs) And she's complaining about it. I like how Meredith is invested in... Izzy and George's friendship, though. For once. For yeah. once. She's interested in someone besides herself. So then Alex walks in and um, announces that O'Malley is puking in his bathroom. And Becca made a good point that I'd never thought of, which was... Ugh, can we talk about the fact that all of them are under one roof? That's amazing. They all slept in the same house. I know. Intern OTP. I love it. I think this might be the only time in... The whole show where that happens. Ugh, I love it. This whole dialogue is just fantastic. <laughs> Catherine Heigl just is amazing. She goes, yes, because he was too drunk to drive home. No heavy machinery drunk. <laughs> What's her problem? Still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> What's she doing here? <laughs> and then Meredith just goes, she's afraid she's ruining her engagement to Burke, so she's hiding from him. Casual, as we all do from our fiancés. <laughs> yes. It's just... So hilarious that, like, everyone sees it, everyone knows it, and they're just, like, that's not the point. They're just like, okay, yes, obviously, but what are we going to do about it? Well, then this whole, like, 
Burke doesn't want me to marry him just to appease him. To which Meredith then claims, which you are. (laughs) So we don't get married. Simple as that. (laughs) Be kind, rewind. My plan has a name. Can we just appreciate, like, can we all just think about Christina coming to Burke with, like, a folder that just has the title Be Kind, Rewind on it? <laughs> He'd be like, what the hell? Beige folder, let's be clear, people. Yeah, that's true. Manila. Manila. <laughs> this is another classic Grey's Anatomy scene where everyone is thinking about themselves. And so they are having these conversations, but nobody's really picking up on what's happening because they're all thinking about themselves. And their own problems. Which, yes. granted, they have a lot of problems, but, yeah, you know... Yeah. So then we kind of get the the piece right at the end where we get a final, like, we we finally get a conscious George and Izzy uh, moment where he reveals that he can't remember what happened last night and even asks her where she slept. Which, do the math, George. I just, if you woke up naked in Izzy's bed, wouldn't that, like, raise some some red flags for you? Yeah. Or at least to be like, hey, Izzy, what happened? Yeah. Like, he didn't ask at all. He was just kind of like, oh, hey. Well, I guess he does He ask. said, what the hell happened last night? Like, but his only concern was calling Callie. You're not like, oh, you're not concerned with the fact that you woke up naked in another woman's... Okay. What happens in this house? I don't... <sighs> Youth hostel. <laughs> it's kind of true. So, okay, so now we're we're cutting over to the hospital, and the chief is walking with Colin Marlowe. Why is he still here? He, yeah, I know. And he has this, like, I feel like when Colin talks, I just zone out, because his British smarmy dialogue means absolutely nothing to me. It's like he starts talking, and I just completely look out the window and focus on something else. I also honestly, like, his character was brought in to kind of reveal all this stuff about Christina's past and to be that kind of wrench in her and Burke's relationship. And so he already did that. You're like, why are you still here? Because now they're like, oh, now he's the wrench in the the chief thing. And you're like, no one cares. Leave. But but he's not. I, I agree with you. I don't think he is actually necessary for the drama. I think the Christina Burke drama could have happened without him there. And I think that the chief drama easily could have happened without him there. It, because it you is. already have Burke, it Mark, is. Addison. It already was happening. Well, that's, and I, I get his purpose like last episode. Like all of those scenes, great. You know, have him come for one episode. Be like, oh, he's a visiting surgeon. Leave. He serves no purpose in this episode. Yeah. it's Except not, to bother me. It's not very season one-y. It's starting to get into the, like, we're kind of running out of ideas, so we're coming up with these filler-type episodes where it's like, he's here, but he doesn't have to be. Yeah, and it kind of also feels, too, like they're like, oh, this character was funny and good last episode. We'll keep him around. And it's like, just because they were good in one episode or one piece doesn't mean that they're the new thing, which I feel like becomes a habit. Oh, yeah. but Like a bad habit, like smoking. Anyway, so we're cutting over to Callie and George. George, he looks awful. (laughs) The makeup department did a great job with him in this episode. Maybe it's not makeup. Maybe it's real. Maybe they just got him super (laughs) Super (laughs) plastered. Yeah. He looks like he's one step away from being on The Walking Dead. And Callie walks in. She's, like, wearing pearls or whatever. and Nobody cares. And, um... She 
announces that her father is going to be in town and that he's coming to meet George. So fantastic. I I had liked this. I think it was a good choice. I also don't like it. I feel like I didn't like Callie's dad enough for it to be purpose like for it to really work for me. I don't know. It felt like again, it felt like a very filler thing where he he's this presence in this episode, but what he had one kind of one and a half scenes. Like it just felt very like thrown together to me. Yeah. And it also like Callie at the end of this episode, spoiler alert is all proud of George for like standing up to her dad, which doesn't have any ramifications in the rest of the show. (laughs) And I don't even understand what it's trying to say. Really? I think it's just supposed to be this comparison or this contrast between the fact that he was just like this horrible husband and she's like happy with him now. But I I don't know. I think they could have done better. If you completely remove all the knowledge of the Izzy stuff and you only watch George and Callie scenes from 218 or 318 to 319, you don't care. It would be the most boring storyline. Well, yes, Callie's in it, but... Yeah, that's true. Oh, and Callie's dad. My God. Anyway, so they're going to um, have lunch together, and Callie delivers a kind of funny line, like, where she's like, you stink, you need to get in the shower. And, oh, whatever. It's it's pretty funny. It's it's about as funny as Callie ever gets. Fair. Fair enough. Um, I enjoy it, but not really. Anyway, so then Christina... Uh, walking up to Burke at the nurse's station. And I didn't actually double check. I feel like I should have. But is this the same nurse's station where Burke gave her a coffee in season one? That's a great question. Do you remember that scene? I do. Where he was just like, it's just coffee. And then she was like, good. <laughs> now that's the scene that should have been here. <laughs> it's so like, funny. To them present day. Um, but instead he delivers this whole speech, you know. He's, like, super dismissive, and it's like he psychoanalyzed exactly her intent in, like, a microsecond. Yeah. Which is kind of, again, funny to me, because I think the comedy of the whole Burke-Christina moment was that I feel like everyone in the hospital knew that she was only marrying him to appease him. But now, like, in this statement, you're like, wait, does Burke know, too? Like, why is he still marrying her? (laughs) Unclear. It's this like weird thing where you're like, wait, he's in on the joke. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I don't know. I I sometimes think that uh, Burke has to. It's almost like um, herding cats with Christina. Like he has to get her to where he knows that they're heading, but she's always hesitant about it, and he's the one that has to take the first step. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so then Colin Marlowe, ugh, I hate everything. Who's still him. here. Yeah, he's still here, even in this scene. He's like, oh, good morning, daughters, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this is not the weirdest British accent that you've heard on a television show. Probably not the weirdest, but definitely up there. I should look him up, because I don't know if he's actually British. Uh, can you keep going? I will look up this If actor. he is, I'm appalled with the accent. But basically, you know, they're talking, um, and I feel like the big piece out of this conversation is that 
all of the chief candidates are meeting are having their kind of like meetings with the board today. He's Welsh. Real time follow up. He's Welsh. Oh, maybe that explains it because it's not a British accent. It's a well whatever. He had, he is a Tony Award women winning actor. Tony Award doesn't that mean he has to be in like a musical or something? Yes. Dang. Maybe he should have sung in this episode. Fun fact, I think he played Robin Hood. Anyway. All right. And apparently Colin Marlowe has a 10-year plan for the surgical wing, which, good Lord, man, did you even consult Meredith before <laughs> making plans for her hospital? Yeah. Mm-mm. You know, I find the chief also to be a little bit annoying in this episode. He's baffled by the fact that people are trying to replace him at the job that he's retiring from. Yes, that's, I mean, it's, it's hilarious, but it's also a little bit annoying. He's like, he's got tweaks for my hospital. And I was like, Richard, You're when, reti- you, when you retire, somebody else does your job. That's how it works. <laughs> he like can't grasp that fact. He's like, yeah, I'm retiring, but how dare someone else try and step up and take my job? And you're like, do you not understand what retiring means, <laughs> sir? And again, it's like he it's, he, yeah, it's like he can't connect the dots. Like, this is bothering you. Maybe you shouldn't retire. <laughs> it's also like you kind of said, it's it's one of those things that I think the first couple times it happens in the episode, you're like, eh, it's funny. But then by the end and he's still doing it, you're like, this is dumb. Even this time, because he already had kind of had a whole conversation with Colin Marlowe earlier where he was like, oh, my gosh, the audacity. Like, had that into so like him. I don't know. And it's like that hasn't sunk in for you yet. A you're lot. like 65. Nothing. A hmm. lot. Um, but I like Derek, how he's like, he's only been here a day. Which, thank you, Derek, for stating the obvious. Why is this man still here? <laughs> yeah. He's been here a whole day, and he's still not gone. Also, that's impressive. He came up with a 10-year plan of how to correct this <laughs> hospital in one day. Spoiler alert, it's going to take 10 years to correct this hospital. Starting um, with firing the entire staff. Yeah, but... and really ramping up the HR department. <laughs> In the decorations department, I mean, we haven't commented on a lot of the picture frames Eskimo and, man. and stuff that goes on in this hospital, but let's be honest. So then we get a short scene, we won't probably go into it, where basically Jane Doe is picking a face, which thank goodness, because her face is horrendous. <laughs> thank God. Also, she needs, like, teeth replacements, because I think whatever happened to her at the ferry boat accident, like, cut her teeth in half or something, because she's got the tiniest little Pez dispenser teeth. (laughs) They're awful. Honestly, and the worst part about this whole thing is, spoiler alert, her facial surgery doesn't help. (laughs) It's it's still horrible. Like, I don't... Fucking face actress that plays like i just i don't know i can't deal with her ever she just maybe honestly it's probably just because her character in Grey's Anatomy sucks and she just comes up on scene now and it's just like another character who even by this point i think has lived out her metaphor (laughs) needs to leave but spoiler again she stays forever yeah like an std oh my gosh like the syphilis outbreak again <laughs> except this time it's just jane doe yeah i mean as 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 horrible as it sounds becca is right this this actress i don't know what she's doing but it is not working and what's interesting is that when she gets a new face and she comes back as as may cullen she sucks as jane doe but she's not a bad actor in, in um twilight 
Yeah, well, she's also trying to be a vampire in that movie, which those vampires are kind of weird to begin with. So. That's true. You don't, don't even have to act human to be a vampire. Exactly. She, like, gives off weird vibes already. Like, that's the whole role is be weird. Yeah, so she, she nails she's just it. being herself. Yeah, okay. So this is kind of important here is that Mark chooses Meredith to do the reconstruction. It's like harvesting bone from a, from her skull, whatever. I mean, it's, but it's a big deal. And the chief notices, and that's the big deal. Now we get to one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. If nothing else comes from this, Catherine Heigl being able to play these scenes where she's just like super nervous and like twitchy and blurty is the best thing to come from this. Because they somehow take this really serious topic, but they have this like dark, witty sense of humor about it. And it's it's beautiful. It's Honestly, this is probably where we get all of our sense of humor from. So, yeah. When Callie goes, wait, I need to talk to you. And Izzy just goes, why? To prepare you guys for what you're about to see. You meant, you meant talk to us, not me. You don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to us about the, a patient. <laughs> and then Callie goes, yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> Callie's and like, what the hell is wrong with you? This is, this is one of... Probably three times in the entire show that I genuinely laughed at Callie mm-hmm. in a good way. I did like that. That was. So now we're going to meet Nina and her mother, Kathy. And fun, very, very distracting fact is that the actress who plays Nina uh, plays the main character in Handmaid's Tale. It's very distracting to me. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. So, but anyway, so we meet daughter and the mom and so the mom is sick and has fop which i'm not even going to try to pronounce that basically as callie says so nicely says it turns you into a human statue which wow great bedside manner can't callie Mm. your personality is a human statue callie yeah Uh, basically all we learn in this scene is that nina is really annoying yeah (laughs) and kind of the stick up her mother's ass yeah an interesting turn of events Mm mm-hmm Nina was born to be a stick up everyone's ass. Unfortunately, I think we all know a Nina in our life. But she does serve a purpose, so I'll allow it. So anyway, then we kind of get another scene where all the interns are are fighting over their assignments for for today. Classic. Typical. Um, But, you know, Izzy doesn't want that case, which she just doesn't want to work with Callie. Which, I mean... Even if she hadn't slept with her husband. Yeah. Um, which I think the best part about this whole scene is when they're still talking about how much George smells, even though, as he said, I showered twice, which you're like, with what, George? Bleach could be helpful in this circumstance. <laughs> it's coming out of your pores. You reek. <laughs> you're trembling. <laughs> I'm not letting you near my patient. <laughs> which also begs the question, what did they do last night that he smells so bad? I'm pretty sure it's bourbon. No, what what did they drink? Remember, they're on the floor. Of the kitchen. It was bourbon, I think. Bourbon. But still, though, like to make you sh- smell so bad, <laughs> showering twice. Like, what were you doing? Has I they- I always assumed she was talking about you smell like alcohol. But still, you'd think like one shower or something. Brush your teeth. Maybe he hasn't brushed his teeth. I don't know, George. That's disgusting. Also, would is trembling a a side effect of a hangover? It could be. I don't know. I've never been drunk. George was. Trembling. This part where 
Christina gets the clinic just because she thinks that there's something exciting happening down there. And, and Bailey is like, which I, there's some people on the internet like that are like, oh, I hate when this happens when it's like, of course, Izzy is working with the O'Malley's. That does not bother me at all. I think it's hilarious. I think like, it's just so Grey's Anatomy where it's like, of course she is. <laughs> if you if you can't find a way to enjoy that, then you're not watching the show correctly. <laughs> very true, very true. And then like George just gives her like some like a thumbs up and he looks so pathetic. He looks like a drunk Muppet. <laughs> I think at this point it's hungover Muppet, but still, you know, he still doesn't look great. Yeah, and then we're we're going to the clinic and to be honest, we're introduced to another character that doesn't matter. Another patient. The metaphor in emotional weight behind this patient is weak, putting it lightly. Yeah, I agree. I do enjoy him as an actor and as a patient, but I mean, it's not it's not like Liz Fallon from season 1, you know. No. No, I was going to say definitely not top patients of season 3, but it's not a Jeremiah um, but I also necessarily wouldn't put him at the worst patients either, you know? Like, it's, they're just kind of like, okay, like, he served his purpose, like, okay. In a season where Ava exists, no, he won't be at the bottom. Which then we cut back to, uh, Jane Doe's room, where Meredith asks, probably my favorite question of the entire episode, did you choose a face? <laughs> Do you think Meredith envies her at all? Do you think Meredith at all just, like, wants to, like, have a different face? I don't know, because Meredith loves herself so much. She loves herself and hates herself, though. Yeah. That's what's interesting about her. So anyway, Jane Doe has not chosen a face yet, because she doesn't recognize herself in any of those women, which is a valid, because they're all cartoons. Um, they're all 3D images <laughs> yes. that Mark Sloan made up. Um... The valid valid point though what if my husband or boyfriend comes and with a picture of what i'm supposed to look like and i'm stuck with the wrong face forever which is an interesting concept yeah it is i which, can't imagine being in that situation i can't imagine somebody not already finding me though that's very how long has it been since the ferry boat well i think from 317 to 318 we're talking about a week and according to the dialogue in this episode, this is the next day after 318. But theoretically, though, I mean, Meredith would have had to have been in like, the hospital for a while after basically being dead for how many hours? I don't know. You I know mean, what I mean? I don't think she would have to be in the hospital for more than a week. Really? I don't think so. I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was been like a month or something. And Alex makes an even better point, which is if you don't pick one, you're going to be stuck with this face. And he holds up a mirror to her horror movie of a face. Which, thank you, Alex, for that terrible image that I yeah. now have scarred in my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now we get a Derek Meredith scene, which is actually kind of refreshing. I don't Hallelujah. Know. Yeah. Um, he smells her again. I just wanted to point that out. He kind of, like, comes behind her while she's on the computer and just smells her. Classic. Which, this is a good point. He says, if Christina would sleep in her own bed, I wouldn't have to hover at work. Where the hell did he sleep last night? <laughs> Does he still have his trailer? Yeah. Maybe in the trailer. I don't know. I always got the idea that, like, his trailer was not 
Close. A close drive to Meredith's house, though. I don't know. Maybe he slept on the couch. I don't know. How many people slept in that house last night? And then I kind of like his question here, you know, how bad is it today on a scale of 1 to 10? And Um, she answers it like he's asked her before, mm -hmm. which is interesting. She says 7, maybe 6, which is good. I don't. I mean, I guess if you're... Meredith? One or two weeks post-drowning yourself, it's not bad. But what is he really asking? Because she's not in pain. She's just depressed as hell. So is he talking more about... Like mental? That's what I got. Like mental health? And if he is, then it's pretty out in the open then. Like, they're talking about her mental health. And that suggests that he knows that she drowned herself. That's a great question question because he says something along those lines later in the episode but he says it like he's like it's the first time he's admitting this but then when you look at this in that context that's confusing yeah well maybe he's referring to like losing her losing her mom or that's true she did lose i forgot about ellis yeah in last episode meaning last night she was had to hang out with her father and Susan. My pain might be at a seven if I had to hang out with Thatcher. That's fair enough. Although I think they ended on a good note for the first time in their lives. Mm-hmm. So Meredith says that she she reveals that she has this bone harvest for uh, Sloan's surgery, and Derek is immediately suspicious. Which I don't know if I like. Like I don't like it. That There's something about like the patriarchy having to protect his his uh you know damsel in distress that I'm not a fan of. I agree. And I don't think Grey's Anatomy is a fan of either, based on how this ends. Yeah, so he he doesn't say anything. He chooses silence for the first time in his life. Now we're going to cut over to George and um, the, the human lawn ornament, uh, whatever her name, Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. Um... Which, you know, she's getting a scan. Who cares? He's with Izzy. Okay, this is so fucking funny, though. When he goes, we're going to need you to lay very still. And she goes, I think I can do that, Dr. O'Malley. And then he, like, pauses and he goes, sorry. <laughs> Which arguably just, like, upped her status in my, uh... Yeah. Like, in, in my patient rankings. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Great. So basically they're talking again about how George doesn't remember a thing. I also love when he is, like, you know... Like, whatever I did, whatever I said, I was drunk. I didn't mean it. And she's like, George, I assure you, you meant it. You meant it a lot. You meant it more than once. But you're like, oh. If George listened at all to what Izzy was saying, he would put it together immediately. But he doesn't. But he doesn't listen. Like, none of the people in this show listen. Like, when she goes, hours of our lives that are all I can think about, you seriously don't remember? It's like... George, you woke up naked in her bed. Yeah, yeah. Like, put something together. Put the pieces together, George. You are an educated human being, George, supposedly. So now we are saddled with this Christina Colin Marlowe scene where Colin is talking about an expansion of the hospital. Like he like he literally wants more construction. Of this. That's what I got from that, is that yeah. he, because he says it'll give you more places to hide. So he wants to, I, I don't even know if that's a thing that the chief of surgery can just request. Be like, um, yeah, we're going to need more. 
<laughs> I don't need more hospital. I got the wood we're building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't He's know. He's just like, if we can't go out, we're going up. Um, <laughs> more elevators. Yeah, and then basically he's kind of, I don't know, kind of in some way almost making fun of Christina and like the wedding and yeah, he's looking for an invitation. Why in the world would she invite <laughs> you to her wedding? Which also that would mean we'd have more of you leave. I mean, you're a smarmy little fuck. Nobody likes you. Um, yeah. Which I don't know. I think at this point in this episode, it's appropriate to ask: Do you think that Christina really wants to marry Burke, or do you think that everyone really? Do you think that anyone really believes that Christina wants to marry Burke? Because it, at this point, and kind of what Burke said in the last screen scene, I don't think he believes it. And it's I, confusing. I don't think Christina wants to marry him, but I don't think she's afraid of the commitment, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I think she sees marriage as, like, pointless. It, it, like, it's almost like you're trying to prove something where... You can have a completely valid relationship without the ceremony and without the piece of paper. Yeah. I think it's a little bit immature, though. Kind of like her view on it, because there are obvious benefits to being married that have nothing to do with romance. So maybe she's saying, maybe this is her way of not admitting to herself, but beginning to realize that she doesn't really want to be with Burke anymore. But, like, she clearly does, which is so confusing. I was going to say, it's this, it's this confusing thing where she wants the relationship with Burke, but doesn't necessarily want the hospital, not the hospital, <laughs> the marriage piece. And I think this is a whole question that really I think we get until the end of this season of what does Christina really want? Um, and I but, think her also her kind of finding of what is going to make her happy. Yes, but I'd argue that even at the end of the season, we don't get a resolution to that question. Fair. I think that's fair. I think that's like a huge Christina question throughout the entire show. The entire time she's on the show. Mm-hmm. Starting now. So anyway. All right. So Addison is practicing practicing for her speech. Uh, she looks amazing, as usual. Yeah. We get a cute little Mark and Addison scene, which I do really like the scenes between them. Nothing nothing super big happens here. <laughs> then basically we get the revelation that Kathy needs a surgery, but obviously Nina doesn't want it because clearly things are working and she's perfectly fine the way she is. That was sarcasm. <laughs> Nina. <laughs> anyway. So the next scene, when, when Mark is... Mark just goes, Burke is using PowerPoint. He's doing a PowerPoint presentation for the board. Which is cool if it's 1998. <laughs> which is funny, because people still use PowerPoint. I know. I know. He's just like, uh, why, why don't you use Pear Deck or Prezi or Canva? Why don't you make a podcast? <laughs> yeah, only cool people podcast. Burke. He's like, I don't know how. Um, My voice is made for radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, Derek just does not care at all about any of this, which is fair. Again, I think in his some weird patriarchy thing of why are you allowing Meredith to do this bone graft? And to my question here is I'm like, isn't this supposed to be a teaching hospital? Like, isn't he supposed to ask an intern to do it? Like, it just happened to be Meredith. I mean, maybe Mark has ulterior motives, but still, like. I mean, I think Mark has ulterior motives, 
But I think he has two motives. And I think that just because they both exist doesn't mean they're working against each other. Mm-hmm. It's like two birds, one stone sort of thing. I don't think he wants Meredith to fail. I don't think he does either. But Derek, rightfully so, doesn't trust Mark with his girlfriend. His treasure. <laughs> Ew. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my god. Which, I, I get it. Because the man slept with your wife. But eh, Derek has a valid point. But at the same time, Mark is like, you are overstepping. And it's true. He is. Yeah. Um, I don't find it romantic either. And I just find it annoying. Yeah. So now this is probably the best scene of the whole episode. <laughs> We're going to dinner theater this. Um, I would like to be Izzy. This I'm is Addison. Addison. <laughs> this is Addison and Izzy, and they're standing outside of Kathy's room looking at Nina's weird-ass dollhouse. So she brought a full dollhouse. To the hospital. With lights and everything. Nina is, like, the biggest square of all time. Which is, like, I get it if you want to build it in your home, but, like, who is taking their mother to the ER because she's, what, vomiting up blood was the reasoning? <laughs> and is like, hold on, hold on. We need to ring the dollhouse. <laughs> yeah. Which... There's something creepy about dollhouses. I mean, yes. That's not the point here. <laughs> uh, a little bit. There's something creepy about Nina. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's true. Nina's personality reminds me of, like, cottage cheese. Like, it's a little bit gross, white, basic. White. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nina is white. <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah. Anyway. Um, all right, so I'm Addison, you're Izzy. <clears throat> is... Is that a... Dollhouse. Yeah. The lights work and everything. It's the perfect little home. Aw. Did you have a dollhouse growing up? I had sex last night with the wrong person. But the thing is, it didn't feel wrong at the time. It felt like everything was falling into place. So what do I do? What am I? The go-to person for adultery? No. No. I just... I just don't know what to do. You stop. That's what you do. Are you sure? How do you know that it feels so right because it's God's plan? God wants you to be an adulterer. God got a virgin pregnant by magic. God is not playing by the rules. <laughs> that whole scene is... Which, the, the way that Catherine Heigl just bullered... I had sex last <laughs> I know, it's so funny. Addison is like leaning over, taking her glasses off to look at the dollhouse. And <laughs> Izzy's just like, I had sex last night. <laughs> and... and the smile that, like, drops off of Addison's face, like, god damn it. <laughs> so Addison, like, enters this scene of, like, oh, this will be a normal, like, conversation. And then it's just, like, the scene of, like, no, no, I'm at Grace and Adam. <laughs> like, I'm at Grace. No. Yeah. You're in Se- Seattle, you're, Grace. You're at Seattle, Grace. It's not going to be normal. And flashback to when these two hated each other. Or when Izzy hated Addison. Like, way back in the, <laughs> in the day. Uh, uh, great times. That was such a... That was... A perfect Grey's Anatomy scene. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to our great friend Doug. He's the foot guy. Who FYI. and Christina just drops another great bedside manner uh, tutorial here for doctors and just blurts out that they're gonna have to amputate his foot, which because you know subtle. And he's like super upset about it. I'm kind of like ready for my foot to be removed. So just get diabetes, get uh, an infection, and then just Ignore let it, it for sit months. for a month. Yeah, Sounds easy enough. Yeah, super easy. The hardest part is going to be getting the diabetes. 
So he goes, this, this I highlighted because I feel like it's important. He goes like, there's got to be a way for me to get that month back. Tell me what I, what I'll have to do. I got to find a way to save my foot. I think that's the metaphor and I can't quite place it. Burke is Christina's foot. (laughs) I am, I am your foot. Please don't cut me off. She just walks on him all over the place. Wait, wait. Are you saying that Burke is an infected diabetes foot? Infected diabetes beige foot. Beige foot. I think that's the best motive metaphor of this entire episode. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. I don't even know how to move on after that. <laughs> uh, so we have Meredith practicing her, her bone graft. Yeah. And my question, so Derek, you know, is like, oh, I talked to Mark or whatever. What is Derek's goal of this conversation? What is the point of this conversation to Derek? How did he think this this was going to go? Well, if you're with somebody who's thinking logically, right? Mm-hmm. You think, well, maybe if I make a compelling enough argument, Meredith will see my point of view and she'll agree with me. However, you're talking to Meredith. But he also doesn't have a great argument. His argument is that he thinks Mark is taking advantage of her. Which my point is, is that if you're a student, who cares if he's taking advantage? I want all the experience I can get. How else am I supposed to learn? Yeah. If you don't give me a procedure. And the way he approaches this is he's just like, I talked to Mark. This is a complex procedure. He, it may, he made it sound like she's going to fail. Yeah, like he thinks that she's going to fail, which is obviously what made her go insane, which valid. Which, yeah, valid. It's like, shut the hell up, Derek. Know your place. You are just eye candy. Mm-hmm. Which also then she brings up a point because he's, you know, like, well, when has Mark ever allowed his interns to do anything? You know, like, he's clearly just trying to use you. To which Meredith goes, he's in the race for chief. Like, that's why he's doing this, which I honestly think is a more compelling argument for why Mark is giving this to her than Derek's. Well, I think what's interesting is that Meredith is like, yeah, idiot, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I figured it out before you did, but I don't care the reason why he's giving it to me. I want this to practice. Anyway, Derek is saying, I'm trying to protect you. And she goes, well, you don't need to. It's true in this case, but had he not dove into that water, she would have been dead. And this show would have ended. I think it's just that he's coming off sounding overprotective and condescending. I don't think he approached it right. I was going to say, I think he did not say it right. And being like, well, this procedure is a little complex. And her being like... That's because you think I'm stupid. You know, like he didn't. He didn't even it. give her the benefit of the doubt that maybe she had already figured it out. Yeah. What she had. Yeah. He also doesn't care about the fact that she already figured it out and is okay with it. Mm-hmm. So Mark is talking to Bailey. And for a filler episode, which I feel like this is, this is not a bad scene, I guess. No. Mark basically approaches Bailey and wants him her to do the work for him. But when you really look at it, he is asking somebody's opinion for how he can make the hospital better. So in a way, he kind of is and, being the most responsible of all of them, but and, he fell ass backwards into yeah, it. Yeah. And realistically too, he asked the best person yeah. who would know how to do, like, and who would, he, like, knew would have ideas. Which, 
I think this whole scene brought up this question, and, and who would be your choice for chief? And our rankings for who we think the chief should be. I think we can just go ahead. Number five for both of us. So the worst candidate was Colin, which shocking. For because me, he's not even supposed to be here. Like, yeah, who are you? Leave. Yeah. But then I found this interesting. Becca brought up this question, and then when we ranked it, they were very different. Mm-hmm. So I said number four was Mark. Okay. Because I don't take him seriously. And I, I don't, don't either. I don't think he could really do the job, and I don't even think he really wants it. I think he just wants it because everyone else wants it. Fair. I put Derek as my number four, and this was a very much... I thought of this as, like, in this episode, who would I pick? And Derek is not up there for me, because I don't think... One, uh, clearly from how he handled Meredith in the last scene, but I think just, too, in his mental state, like, he is too... He's very caught up and distracted with the whole Meredith thing. And at this point in the show, I don't think he would be a good chief. And that was kind of my thinking. And I just, I think for him too, he just gets very involved in other things that distract him and then take him away from the hospital. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I have Derek as my number three. And I think the reason I did that is because I was looking at it more broadly of all of his actions he's ever had mm-hmm. in the hospital. And, like, he is chief material. And that's, I think if you had asked me that a bunch of episodes ago, you know, earlier, like, this season, even season two, or even, you know, later on in the seasons, I think my ranking would be completely different. But I think I took it very much as, like, you know, if we were doing the, the board interviews mm-hmm. in this episode, what would I do? And so my number three was Mark. Um, so I feel like kind of similar. We both had them kind of towards the bottom and same way, you know, I don't take him seriously. I, I think he made a good idea of asking Bailey and I think he does when he wants to come up with great ideas, but I just, I, I agree. I don't think he really wants, wants it. it. I don't think he cares. Yeah. So my number two, I put Addison. Okay. I feel similar with Addison as I do with Mark where I feel like she entered the race because there's a race. I don't feel like it was ever her plan to be the chief. Or I don't even think she wants that responsibility. But she just kind of wanted to do it because everyone else is doing it and she's competitive. Honestly, I don't... Maybe it's just me that I don't want her to be the chief. Mm. But it just... It doesn't feel like where she's headed. It doesn't feel... That's fair. Like what she wants out of life. I don't know. It's kind of funny to me because ranking all of them, I I felt like I was kind of in some way like ranking children. Like in some way I was like, I don't think any of them are ready to be chief. Like honestly, if I had to pick candidates for chief, it would be either the chief and or Bailey. Bailey, I don't... I never liked that idea because I always thought that Bailey worked... Because she didn't hold a a, throw, like a, a huge role. position of power. I felt like she worked, like she actually got stuff done because she was lower down. And so she didn't have as much attention on her. So she could actually get a mm. lot more done. That's fair. But like, to be like, do you see any of them as actually really being like... I can see Burke. Interesting. I Okay, so I had Burke as my number two. Mm. Um, I don't know. Between him and I just... 
sometimes I just feel like Addison is more professional. I feel like Addison deals with people better mm-hmm. than Burke does, which I think in my thoughts gave her the edge and just like being able to like communicate with staff and like some of that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, I again, like I think Burke is a great choice. If I had to choose one, like gun to my head, I would choose Burke over Addison, I think. Okay. Because I just think that like, one, he's been preparing for it since season one, you know? Mm-hmm. It's always been his plan. He was always, as Christina said, was, like, the chief's choice. Even though he's been through a lot, I feel like Christina has a point. He's still that guy. He's still the guy that, like... The responsible... Yeah. And when it comes right down to it, he might even be a better chief than the chief. Because... The chief, like, you're talking about children. The chief acts like a child a well, lot, too. Well, fair, too, but... Um, but, yeah, so... Like child in this. Bailey's right now plan. I like that. And, actually, there's a a scene or a storyline in season four where she talks about the big picture, and it reminds me a lot of this right now plan. It almost feels like they took this idea and workshopped it a little and made it better in season four. Hmm, okay. We'll get there. Probably in 50 years. Yeah. Stick with us. Great, great segue. You know, we, we go to our favorite place, the cafeteria, where the interns are having lunch. Lunch scene. Woo! Uh, we get Black Cat John Brown by Alamo Racetrack. Which was not just a bunch of words put into a blender. That's actually the name of the song and the band. Fascinating. So, a classic Grey's Anatomy. Everyone is talking about themselves and nobody is listening to anybody. Mm-hmm. We start with Izzy. She goes, talk to me about blackouts. Are they real? Do you really not remember anything afterwards? And of course, who is she asking? Meredith. Meredith. Who then is like, oh, Izzy, you must be talking about me. I'm fine. I'm not drinking. I'm not drowning my sorrows. Which she also like forgets about the fact that literally the night before they were listening to Izzy and George drown their <laughs> sorrows. But Meredith is like, no, nope, it's my world. Yeah, Meredith is like, she has to be worried about me. Everyone needs to stop protecting me. It's like, Merit, shut up. And this, this moment, <laughs> when Catherine Eigel, she goes, um, this isn't really about you. <laughs> I'm asking. But thank you. Which is, I think it's the first time in the entire show that they actually acknowledged that Merit is so self-centered that she thinks everything is about her. Yeah. Um, you had a best friend named Tequila. Did you ever black and Meredith is like, ah, yes, my best friend. <laughs> she was like, once, twice. To which then Alex chimes in, you know, the stuff you don't remember is usually the stuff you don't want to remember. Which I don't think it was a mistake they gave Alex that line. Fair. Like, just metaphorically. He is the stuff you don't want to remember. Well, here's another yeah. question. Do you think Meredith blacked out after um, the party in season one? I don't know. She drank almost an entire bottle. <laughs> I thought they talked about her, like, dancing in the driveway and, like, making on the car and stuff after that. Well, I know that Bailey saw her. Yeah, but I thought, like, she, like, remember like, and she, like, said, like, oh, like, Bailey saw us or, like. Yeah, I think you're right. But how much of it? Fair enough. Who knows? <laughs> Meredith's crazy. She could have remembered the whole thing. She's like, then that's nothing. Izzy just basically quiets down for a little bit. And then I, I. I kind of appreciate... See, this is the kind of moments that I miss in Grey's Anatomy where it's it's almost like they don't take themselves too seriously. 
Like when Christina goes, no, it's not cool. My patient was neglectful. He made a couple of bad calls. Does that mean he has no hope? That he, he can't have any do-overs? And Alex doesn't get it. And Meredith is like, we're talking about Burke now. Or it's just like that dark kind of like sarcastic humor yeah. where it's almost meta. Where it's like the show knows what the show is doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like we lost that later in the show. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then Meredith brings back the, the great project uh, name, Be Kind Rewind. It's apparently not going very well. Yeah, Izzy is saying you need to fix it because her, her you yeah, know, You guys have really up. great things, you know, talking about herself, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And Christina is going to uh, double down on Operation Be Kind Rewind. Izzy then changes the conversation. She says, has Jane Doe picked a face yet? No, not yet. And Izzy goes, how cool would that be to get to pick your own face? Just disappear and start it over. Which I said, we need a spinoff where Izzy goes into the witness protection program and hides from all her bad choices. She becomes Salah. She becomes Catherine Heigl. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. For those of you who are kind of paying attention or, you know, having picked up on some of the metaphors we got from the, from the patient storylines. Um, so Jane Doe is kind of this whole picking your identity, starting over metaphor which interestingly enough her interns on the case are alex and meredith which i feel like neither of them is i mean meredith is kind of starting over i guess her identity without her mother yeah and last episode the the theme was kind of meredith starting new and starting over alex though is kind of a mystery to me it is it's interesting doug is you know the kind of you know christina summarized it well in this scene with can one mistake change everything you know do you get like is there a rewind do-over kind of you know that mm-hmm. piece and then bone lady uh kathy if you will <laughs> i couldn't remember her name bone lady. um it's kind of like you know obsessing over every little decision in life but like at what point does that kind of obsession turn you into stone or like like meaning like paralyze you yeah like if you obsess over every single thing that you do like if you try to avoid making mistakes to the point where you don't live your life does it paralyze you yeah and in this case it's literal but interesting i think we talk a little bit more about some of those later so so now you go back to jane doe (sighs) um to she's still freaking out over picking her face so then Alex comes up with these weird-ass storylines of names that are accompanying each face. I kind of want to talk about them, though. <laughs> because he he talks about them and, like, the, like, motivational music starts playing in the background, you know? That, like, they sometimes put in the background of scenes. Like, this one is Maggie. <laughs> Contestant number one yeah. is Maggie. She married her high school sweetheart, has two kids, a boy and a girl. I think it would be hysterical if he just, like, made their lives, like, shit. Like, be like, this is Maggie. <laughs> She's she, a drug addict. Yeah. She's been a heroin addict for her entire life. Finally got cleaned up, then got on a ferry boat and destroyed her face. This is Elizabeth. She's homeless. <laughs> because she, She's a homeless grifter. <laughs> Everyone hates her because she smells terrible. <laughs> because like, like, she's homeless. <laughs> No, but, like, he, he he maps these all out. It's, like, I guess it's sweet. I don't like it very much. It's kind of too cheesy for me. And then he gets to Ava, which, by the way, they all look pretty much the same. <laughs> They're all, like, the same face. And then he goes, oh, now this one. 
This one's Ava. She's funny. She's tough. A little neurotic sometimes, but you get used to it. You can tell she's been through some tough times in her life, but she'll get through it. And, like, the way that the episode was written, it was like, if you don't pick Ava, you're a piece of shit. Like Alex basically told her, like, this is who you're going to become. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine her being, being like, yeah, I'm going to choose Maggie. <laughs> like, Honestly, that would have been, like, the best plot twist of this entire episode. The heroin addict. <laughs> I picked the homeless woman. <laughs> this is my new face. <laughs> hey. I'm gonna go find a shelter. Anyway. Um, another just random... <laughs> I just heard what you said. Another just random little anecdote. Um, Alex's favorite pie is banana cream, which seems so out of character to him. I can't remember back in season one when we assigned all the desserts to the characters. Oh God, I can't even. But I don't think we said banana cream. No. I don't even know if I've had a banana cream pie. I'll be completely honest. I suspect it's a lot like banana pudding. Just in pie form. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New homework between now and, you know, a year later when we podcast again is to eat a banana cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eat it like ASMR. Be like... <laughs> Creamy. Anyway, um, so now we meet um, body shivers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this podcast has turned into something completely different. (laughs) Um, So now we meet Mr. Torres. Um, he is he's like the definition of underwhelming. He in this episode is like the like this could have been. Any random white... They could have put Joe here, and I wouldn't have known. Like, he was so boring. (laughs) And, like... So vanilla. Are we not going to talk about how he looked, too? Like, he came... Like... Like... It almost looked like he stepped off the set of a movie where he was the director. Like, he was wearing, like, a black turtleneck with, like, a, a suit jacket over top of it. Like an asshole. Like a real asshole. Like, the only thing he needed was, like, a hat... And just, you know, sit on a chair backwards and tell the actors how to, you know, say their lines. I'll argue. I like him a little bit in later Grey's moments. Yeah. But I've never really liked him. This was, this was just such a boring, like, again, such a boring scene to me. Well, it, it was just like you're watching this scene and you're like, oh my god, I don't care. No, Daddy. This is George. He's not like the other guys I've been with. Nobody cares, Kelly. Well, that actually... What other guys have you been with? Like, that this one is the, the crown jewel? <laughs> That's so mean. George is fantastic. That's true. Fantastic. I do love George. I mean, it's not like he just cheated on her. And the, the first line is, um, George is like, your daughter is, uh, well, she's sort of undeniable. <laughs> Which is a weird way to describe your wife. Undeniable in the way that we really want to get her off this show, and yet they won't cancel it. They will not write her off. I love that George was a mathlete and he <laughs> clean as a whistle. <laughs> and he just goes, he has no money. <laughs> Which is savage. Which is like kind of true. Come on, I didn't know Callie was well off. She just told me. This whole time the music is kind of ramping up. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming clear to the audience that this isn't really about this scene at all. Which, thank goodness. They could have been saying anything. Um, uh, and the song Still Alright by Adam Marin. Marin? Yeah, is 
getting louder and louder and louder. And eventually, like, I think it was, like, water was spilled on George or something. And that was what clicks his flashback. Yeah. Which, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. It would have been interesting if something else cued his flashback. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it could be, but, like, something different than that. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's just... It just feels kind of lazy. A very, They're just like, a very, what if what if he just got a flashback? And you're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. A very boring scene to basically have George have the realization of what happened to him last night. But holy shit, this goes from like so boring to whoa. <laughs> Which, they did they did not have to go that hard. I love you brought up the difference between this and the George and Meredith flashback. <laughs> so then I had to rewatch that. Oh, you did? And you I'm, did that to yourself? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, that scene is just so comedically bad. So cringy. But, like, fantastic. George and his ear are, like, hot, though, right? Like, am I the only... Well, that's supposed to be the point. Holy heck. (laughs) Like, you see that, and you're like, whoa. They have so much chemistry. Mm -hmm. Which then, and then you remember that he's married to Callie, and you're like, interesting. Interesting choice, George. Yeah. You also forgot about that, so, you know. That you remember... (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Oh, I was talking about the sex with Izzy, but, you know. Holy crap, though. Like, those flashback scenes, like, spoiler alert, we don't get a lot of George and Izzy throughout the whole show, but those scenes are, like, easily some of the most, like, yeah, holy crap. Mixed to me. And it was what, like, three seconds? Yeah, it was short. Yeah. Um... So then we cut straight over to George walking up to Izzy at a nurse's station, and she just has to look at him, and she knows. She knows that uh, he remembered. Um, and I love the way that they did this scene, and how the only dialogue that happened in this entire scene was Izzy saying, you remembered. Mm-hmm. And then that that song just keeps ramping up, and it's that they're in that linen closet, and it's really dark, and this is when they use darkness correctly on the Mm -hmm. show like it would have been kind of weird if it was really bright in there and i like how izzy like kind of touches his face and like like she wants to like pull him in for a hug or something like that or it's almost like they're both realizing what happened and the implications of it are that they both kind of liked it and that's even that's making it even worse yeah well i think it's it's the harsh reality of like there's no easy way about this mm-hmm. for both of them. Because I think, like, earlier in the episode, you know, when especially when Izzy was talking to Addison, it sounds like her, like, fantasy best-case scenario is that George remembers and is like, oh my gosh, yes, Izzy, I love you. And they run off into the sun. Maybe yeah. not like that. But I think this scene is the very, like, real point of them being like, this is not a neat situation. Yeah. Like, and there's no way that this is going to end well. Yeah. All right, so then we go back into Kathy's room. And it's kind of this whole long scene, but it basically, I think, ends with her just almost standing up to her daughter a little bit, you'd say, and just having this whole thing of, you know, I know I'm going to die, you know, maybe not today, but soon. Like, I just need to talk. Well, she says this to Izzy Mm -hmm. because I think Nina leaves the room. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she turns to Izzy and says, Nina isn't even a person anymore. I just need to talk. Nina won't let me talk. 
I think it's really cool how the scene before this was a completely silent scene where neither George or Izzy were saying anything. And if the metaphor is that Izzy is Kathy and Izzy is saying, like, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Or I need to talk. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) then we cut over to a conference room where... The chief is again complaining that people are trying to take over for him retiring. <laughs> He's just like, how dare they fill my position when I retire? And, and so this, this I think, is where we talked a little bit earlier about where we get this confusing kind of revelation from Derek. You know, where he, again, is, is talking about Meredith drowning. And he says, you know, when I pulled her out of the water, she was like ice. She can swim, Richard. She gave up. I close my eyes for a minute and it's like she's back in the water. I'm up at night and I just listen to her breathe, you know, just in case she stops. I can come up with plans for the hospital, but if they ask me where I'm going to be in 10 years. Damn. I mean, that's dark. Yeah. Um, and question for you. I mean, is this, this is the first time they've mentioned the whole she kind of gave up storyline. I think that's the first time the words have been spoken. Mm -hmm. I think it's been kind of like implied, implied, but this is the first time that a character has talked to another character and said she gave up. And I think this, this scene was big for me because I think in some way I was irritated with Derek earlier in the episode. And then this scene and it was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Um, I think he's terrified. I was going to say just, just the thought of him, sitting up at night listening to her breathe because he's scared that she's going to stop is a very terrifying revelation. That is such a, an awesome line, too. And just, like, the imagery mm-hmm. is so good. Um, and I think it's it gives a little bit of different meaning for earlier when he is telling, you know, when him and Meredith are kind of having that fight and he's like, I'm trying to protect you. And she's like, you don't need to. And I think it's almost this double meaning where I don't know if she fully understands all of the things that he's trying to do to protect her. I don't think he, I don't think she gets that yet, but the, the thing is, is that the one thing that he can't protect her from is herself. If she is really suicidal, Mm -hmm. like I think what Derek is saying is that, yeah, I saved her. I pulled her out of the water that one time, but she'll be back in it one way or another. It won't be, maybe it won't be water next time, but she's gonna, unless something changes, it's just going to be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is dark as hell. We told you this season got dark. Yeah. I was going to say, and this, this is just adding on to it um, at this point, which, so then we cut from that great scene to another scene with Mr. Torres, who again, I don't care. I mean, I guess about. it would be endure- in endearing if you gave a shit about Callie, but we don't. So, Yeah, but after all this, okay, so we have this storyline, big storyline, Izzy and George, you know, and then the whole big bombshell and how I think they probably sold the episode in the promo was, holy crap, Callie's dad is here now. After it's all done, did it work for you? I'm not mad about it. Was it the best they could have done? No. I think it was interesting having, considering the fact that Callie and George have been fighting off and on for pretty much their entire relationship, to really have the first time where she is like, 
I was all proud, like all, you know, so crazy about him. And it being kind of right after he did this terrible thing Mm. was interesting to me. I think they could have gotten there without the dead. Okay. I honestly, I think the dead might've been a better to bring in a couple episodes from now. Because I almost want the initial fallout to be more... I guess I guess the problem I'm having is the order in which it's happening. Because I kind of want the initial fallout to be a lot of focus on George and Izzy. And I wanted their emotions. But it's almost like we have to wait a couple episodes to get those performances from those actors. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really know how Izzy's feeling... We don't really know how George is feeling. You know, it's because this other storyline took the front seat. It's almost like they're kicking the can down the line. I kind of like, I don't know. It kind of, to me, gives the impression that, which I think is a completely valid thing, that neither of them know what they're feeling and Mm -hmm. how to deal with this. And so I kind of like that ambiguity where we don't get a big dialogue between the two of them or even one of them talking to someone else and talking about feelings. Um, we get like a hint of it, I think a little bit later um, on the more of the, on the Izzy side, but I kind of, I don't know. I'm not, in I'm my not... head, I'm comparing it to the, like how they handled George and in, in, in Meredith, but inherently it is different and they can't handle that the same way as they handle yeah. George and Izzy because it is, it's a different beast. I don't know. I just, something didn't quite work. And I just can't pinpoint what it is. You know, we swap over. Jane Doe is getting her face, whatever. And then she, oh, still call me Ava. No one. No, no. Like, I'm out. Like, no. I I stopped caring about you two seconds after they pulled you, Alex pulled you off the ferry. Like, it, it feels like, you put this somewhere that the like end of the ferry boat was two episodes ago, and all I could think about was we've only known Ava for two like two three episodes. It's only been three episodes. It feels like a life sentence. It's, it feels like seasons. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's like the opposite of Denny. If Denny had an opposite, it would be Ava. I ugh. sucks the life out of you, but doesn't leave. And I find it one hundred percent disturbing. That, like, Alex kind of has a thing for her. Oh, yeah. It's also get, hilarious because he, he makes him such a hypocrite, but... Ugh, I, I just, get... I was gonna say, I get what they tried to do with this storyline, but it did not work. Oh, it, it fell hard. It did not work. It did not work. And it gets worse. Um, so we cut over to Meredith in the scrub room with Mark. I love the two of them together. Yeah, they always do really well. And I, I think... Putting people in a scene with Ellen just gives good performances, but something about Mark and Meredith are just... Our dirty mistresses. They just work. They, yeah. It's like they have this weird understanding about them that none of the other characters really have. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally, I like hearing this motivation and kind of having Mark be a little bit vulnerable with Meredith because I think it always works every mm-hmm. time he is. This is Meredith. She says, Derek was right about you. You're using the memory of my dead mother to win points with the chief. It's despicable. And I'm not going to play. Um, so then Mark answers, the chief, the way he was looking at you this morning, 
was like you were some beaten down puppy he picked up off the side of the road. You do this procedure and you do it well. He'll start looking at you like a surgeon again. But you want to think of me as despicable? You want to pass up this shot? That's up to you. Which is valid. I and, mean, I, and I kind of like that little piece of him giving this to Meredith for her. Like, mm-hmm. in some way. Like, I think you can't argue the fact that I think he is using this to his advantage because that's Mark. Mm-hmm. But I do like this little bit where he was kind of like, I'm looking out for you. Yeah. It always has felt like Mark has been looking out for Meredith. Like, since since he met her in 218, it always has kind of felt like he's been backing her up. Yeah. And I kind of like that because it's the least... It's the person you would least expect. Anyway. Um, and then we have this Christina Burke scene, which I enjoy a lot. Christina's kind of like trying to give him a pep talk. And she, he, she says, the chief picked you originally. You were always supposed to be the next chief. That's always the plan. And Burke goes, it was a long time ago. A lot has happened since then. No kidding. And Christina goes, but you're still that guy. You're the guy the chief chose. And Burke goes, no, I'm not that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be better than that guy. Like, I want to move forward. I'm not interested in going back. Which is interesting. Like, yeah, okay, I want to be better than that guy. I don't think he's not. I think he is better than the than the guy. I think it's so interesting because I think in some ways they were talking about two different things. Like, I think Christina was supposed to be, like, trying to tell him that, like, you're still the Chiefs' number one pick in kind of that sense. Whereas I think he is being like, I don't want to be the person that I was, you know, two seasons ago, you know, for this reference or mm-hmm. however long ago. I want to show that I've grown since then. But And I don't necessarily think that that's what she was saying when she was like, but you're still that guy. I think maybe what Burke was saying is I don't want to be the guy that, like, turns off my emotions just to be, like, a robot surgeon. I want to be... I want to have both. Like, I want to have this marriage, and I also want to be a good surgeon. And I think having both makes me better. Well, and I think some way it's it's him admitting, you know, like, I've made mistakes since that, you know, whenever that was. But I want to show, like, I'm choosing to believe that I've grown from them and have learned from them and have gotten better. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the vibe that he's going to give to the board, but... yeah. It would be interesting to to hear kind of some of their pitches to the board, but it also, I also like how Grey's Anatomy is aware that it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, what matters is the fallout and how it affects the characters. Not so much about con like we don't all care. Yeah, about all of the technical stuff. We get a song called "All I Want from You Is Love" by Let's Go Sailing, mm-hmm. and we get some like quick kind of scenes between. All of the different ORs, you know, all the different surgeries going on now. Yes, it's our episode's montage. Every episode needs one. So, you know, we're cutting between the three different patients and their different OR rooms. Nina is working on her dollhouse in... Um, so, so weird. Like, at one point, she, like, turns the lights on and, like, smiles like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. It was... I don't know. I kind of liked the little bit of, like, her doing something normal as her mom's, like crashing and dying mm-hmm. and her like just being completely unaware and i don't know it was interesting i think that works a lot of times on these medical dramas so yeah i'd agree with you and i think it kind of worked in this episode of like the one person kind of you know like 
being to stone and kind of the other person being almost like unaware and like blissfully just like living their own life or playing with their dolls. <laughs> yeah. Nina's going to end up on Criminal Minds. Cut to Izzy playing with her Judy dolls. <laughs> <laughs> See, Judy fly. Bailey. <laughs> no, but it's Izzy because that this is who the metaphor is. Yeah. yeah. She's playing with her dolls. <laughs> yeah. They can all have Judy dolls. <laughs> That's true. They probably all do. Um, so then, you know, after that kind of deeper, deeper scene, we, we cut to a very comedic scene where all of them are spying on Mark's interview with the board. I love Bailey. She goes, I'm surprised you don't have a shot glass pressed up against that window. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, Mark erupts out of the door and he's doing that, like, that good old boy, like, oh, hey, let me show you the clinic. And, you know, like, with all the board yeah. members, all these white people. And um, Bailey is just like, oh, he has a right now plan. Is that right? And I just love the chief. He's like, board ate it up. Tell the truth. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Which also, I- like, who cares, dude? You're retiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, like, so proud. And you're like, you brought this man in, like, not that long ago. <laughs> The chief is just like, I ate it up too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, who cares, Richard? <laughs> Richard's like, I'm so proud of my surgeon. Um, this actually, this next scene, so they tell that Nina that her mom is dead. And they actually, I kind of like the choice that it's off camera that they tell that. Because mm-hmm. when we meet up with Nina, she's saying, oh, I should have done this. I should have brought her in sooner or whatever. Callie tries to first tell Nina, like, there's nothing that you could have done. And Nina's not listening. And it's Izzy that actually gets through to her. And I like that, like, Callie is there and listens to this entire speech because this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So Izzy goes, what she was afraid of was that you had taken on so much of her disease that you froze up to. You spent so much time planning and helping her avoid risk. God knows that's what you should have been doing, but she was worried. You have a healthy body, Nina. If you fall down, you won't turn to stone. And your mom so wanted you to fall. Messing up is what makes a person. It's how you learn. Where you find joy in things you don't plan for, the things you never see coming. Wow. (laughs) I know, I I delivered that so flawlessly, I don't know. (laughs) I know you really felt that. (laughs) I did. I mean, clearly Katherine Heigl did it better, but you know... That's fine. That's fair. Izzy's saying she made a mistake with Mm -hmm. George, but I also kind of feel like she's saying I don't regret it because messing up is what makes a person. I, yeah. And if she hadn't done it, like if they hadn't had that like drunken, you know, crazy night, I don't know if she would have ever admitted her true feelings for George. My question is, who is the one that's turning to stone then? I actually kind of think that this is answered in the next scene because we finally get a little bit of dialogue between George and Izzy. Um, I think this is the only time they speak to each other. Pretty much. In um, this whole episode. Besides their little hallway interaction and the, the random thing of her being like, you really don't remember anything? Yeah, th- that doesn't count. Um, I think, you know, later, and we'll we'll go do this dialogue probably in a little bit, but by George asking for this to remain a secret, I think it's him. I think Izzy is the one who wants to move forward and figure out what this means and go on from it. But I think he's 
in this place, frozen, almost trying to pretend that this didn't happen. And I think frozen in some way of being afraid of what it means. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Does Izzy want to tell Callie and tell everyone because she's having these new feelings for George? Or does she just kind of want to stick it to Callie? Because I think she still hates Callie. Probably some of both. What you know honest. I support it. I, although I think in some way the reason she hates Callie is because she likes George. So That's one hundred percent. It's yeah. like this whole like full loop yeah. thing. I think if Callie was dating somebody else, she wouldn't give a shit about Callie. Oh yeah, Callie would be so much better. No, I'm kidding. Honestly, not yeah. possible. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, do you want to do this dialogue or? Yeah, sure. Who do you want me to be? I don't care. Who do you? You normally have an opinion. I'll just be Izzy. <laughs> okay, it happened. It was a mistake, and it happened. People make mistakes. We need to figure out where we go from here. We need to figure out how to tell Callie. I'm not going to tell Callie. Do you know how much this would hurt her? I'm not going to clear my conscience at her expense. She has done nothing but support me, encourage me, and believe in me. And this is how I pay her back? No, I have to live with what I did. This is our secret, okay? Izzy agrees. You know hesitantly she doesn't want to yeah let's i mean in that situation like what what's she now like i i find it interesting that that's how george internalizes it is that it's like his acts or it's his you know cross to bear i like it's his mistake not hers yeah and it's like oh i can't tell her because i don't want her to feel bad i want to feel bad i want to like torture myself when in a lot of people would be like by not telling her you are like hurting her yeah yeah and i think in some way this is also him being like i need to be punished for what i did and Mm -hmm. i need to live with this i don't know very interesting obviously we'll see as it develops but oh yeah this is just the beginning I do love this storyline. So now we have Christina. She's visiting um, Doug, who only has one foot now. And Doug is really feeling down about himself. And he was like, I don't have... What was it? He says, I'm a guy without a foot. What do I do now? And I really always loved what Christina said. And she goes, you move forward, you follow the plan, and you try to keep your other foot. And then he looks like down, you know, at his feet. And he goes, my other foot. Right. And I've always, I've always loved that. It's simple, but... It's so simple, but you know exactly what it's getting at. And it hits in such a universal way. Yeah. So then we get a little scene between Addison and Alex, which is always a delight. Yes. We need more. And I feel like this is kind of flirty. Kind of. It's always kind of flirty between them. That's their undertones. Well, Alex is like, well, I do what I'm told, and... Addison goes, since when? Which, yeah, exactly. And he goes, depends on who's doing the telling. Uh, Sideways by Let's Go Sailing starts playing. That's a good song. Yeah. I enjoy and that song. Unfortunately, it awakens Ava. <laughs> the beast. It awakens the dragon. Yeah, and nobody cares. It just She's like, oh, uh, do you want to talk about like she's, you and the redhead? And I'm like, she's like, please let me into your intern family. I can be one of your best friends, too. And you're like, Ugh. But is the undercurrent that, like, she... Do you think she already starts to have feelings for Alex? Yes. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, there's a reason that she chose the one that he was like, oh, well, you know, there's Ava. And And she's like, oh my god, this will make him love me. Yeah, it's creepy on so many levels. But 
Like, whatever the charming beauty of Denny, this is the opposite. This is like a horror movie that we're watching on Unravel. Denny died, went to hell. <laughs> got possessed by, like, a puppet and came back as Ava. Let's see, what other horrible patients have died that he could have become possessed by? Unfortunately, a lot of the bad ones don't die. And then we get a nice a nice scene between Christine and Burke. You know, she finally goes back to their apartment because <laughs> she remembers where she lives. It's not at Meredith's house. Um, I like how this, this script says Burke looks shocked that <laughs> she climbs into bed with him. He's just like, I did not know where you were for days. <laughs> and I kind of like this little, this compromise of hers. This feels real to... <laughs> this seems healthy. Yeah, this seems healthy. Like... I don't think that this is a bad sign that she's compromising and so is he. Well, I think this really shows kind of what you were talking about earlier, where she's fine with the commitment because clearly they're already committed to each other. Like, I think that wasn't the problem. I think it's all the stuff that with having this huge wedding and the ceremony and all the stuff that where she's just like, it's not, who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, if it's, means so much to you that we have this piece of paper to show our commitment that's fine but i don't want the big show Mm -hmm. yeah and they compromise and that's that's nice so we we leave them feeling pretty good and then we finally get a marin dare scene that we've deserved i find it very strange that they are lying in bed with no covers i just wanted to point that out they're just laying on a mattress that have no sheets or blankets or anything it's very odd um, I feel like that's just on par, though, for these people. <laughs> to be like, where did the sheets go? <laughs> like, just like, I didn't borrow enough from the hospital. I don't... Also, anyway. is Ella still in the closet? I think so. <laughs> anyway, so this is... I love this dialogue. Like, this is some of my favorite Grey's Anatomy dialogue. It's like, gets stuck in my head sometimes. Um... Meredith goes, I let Mark use the memory of my dead mother to win points with the chief. You were right. And Derek just goes, sorry. But this is the part. Meredith goes, you know what's weird? It's exactly what she would have wanted. And it's so perfect because it's so true. You think, yeah, that is exactly yeah. what Ellis would have wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. Just outstanding dialogue. It like... It's it's just so cutting. Like, it yeah. cuts right to the core. And it's so sad, in a way. Like, it's not... It doesn't feel good when Meredith says it. And that's what makes it so much more profound. Mm-hmm. And then Derek just makes it better and goes, So dead mommy's proud. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. That, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. It's, just, it's them. And then I thought it was cute because then, you know, she asks him, like, on a scale from 1 to 10, how bad is it? Which kind of, you know, brought back him Mm -hmm. asking her that earlier. Which also kind of re-kind of iterated the fact that this is a common question for them, apparently now. But it is is really cute, because, like, she kisses him, and then it it goes to a seven, and then she kisses him, and then it goes to a six, and a five, and a four, you know? And so it's like... They're cute. It's just kind of like, well, they have each other, and they make each other feel better. (laughs) And that's that's something. And then we just... Honestly, get I think one of the most heartbreaking scenes of this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Zero dialogue, but it's just in, Izzy in her room, and she like sits down and just starts crying, yeah. and it's 
awful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to watch. But it feels so true to life. Like, if this actually happened mm-hmm. in life, like, her just sitting alone in the dark and crying and yeah. having it make it so much worse that it's in the very place where the, it happened. Yeah, and her having to, like, take off the sheets, like, take care of kind of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. And then we cut straight over to Callie and George in bed. And this is this is another great question. Like, Becca brought this up. It's like, Callie goes, I can smell your clothes through the closet door. What do they smell like? <laughs> what the hell did George do to his clothes? Yeah. Like, is he really just, like, reeking of alcohol? Like, does it but does that also, happen? Like, like, the way, although, like, I don't know. Alcohol doesn't smell, like, she's acting like his clothes smell like death. <laughs> like, he rolled around on, like, like a, a pile a of roadkill. Yeah. <laughs> like, or something. And that's just what I imagine. And so I'm like, what What were they doing? Were they rolling around on Ellis's ashes? I don't know. <laughs> Holy crap. They're just like, let's go kill this homeless person and then have sex on the corpse. God. <laughs> now you wear his face. <laughs> Too far. <Eva. laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so uh, we know you picked this one, but we liked this one better. <laughs> Can, you Can you imagine? Be like, call me Ava now, and it's just like a completely different face. Anyway, so then George says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and Callie goes, I guess I can live with it. Which is which <sighs> I can barely live with you, Callie. So here's the closing speech. The thing about plans is they don't take into account the unexpected. No shit. (laughs) Sorry. So when we're thrown a curveball, whether it's in the OR or in life, we have to improvise. Of course, some of us are better at it than others. Some of us just have to move on to plan B and make the best of it. And sometimes what we want is exactly what we need. But sometimes, sometimes what we need is a new plan. Even that wasn't very profound. No. It just kind of felt like somebody threw it together. And they're like, let me just mock up this thing about plans and it'll be fine. Seriously count is one, though. At least we got it seriously. Thank From you, Izzy. Izzy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Patient rankings. We have the same patients. Hooray. And rankings. Um, Number number three, I'm sure you'll be shocked to figure out that Ava's the worst because look at her. Yeah, Ava. She also, the way she talks. It's so mumbly. It's so mumbly and like mushy mouth. It sounds like she has like mushed up broccoli in her mouth. Honestly, it like, at first, like the way her face looks, you're like, that's how her voice sounds. But then they fix her face and her voice still sounds like her old face. She sounds like a depressed... Muppet, <laughs> yeah, like she's just like she's trying to like hold water in her mouth, but also talk. I don't, yeah, it's awful. Um, um, so yeah, Jane Doe is number three, and number two we have Kathy. Who, interesting enough, but I mean, her daughter was kind of. Meh. I feel like I put her at number two because it produced that speech from Izzy, and I kind of liked how Callie had to watch Izzy be really good with the patient. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, but number one for both of us was Doug. I think his redeeming... Th- I loved that little super simple scene with him and Christina. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just none of the patients were all that profound or interesting, to be you honest. You could have swapped Kathy and Doug on these patient rankings and it wouldn't have mattered. Like, yeah. I don't... 
I mean, in fact, I actually kind of want to do that right now. I kind of want to put Kathy as one. So there you go. And make one change, I mean, we've talked about it, but I feel like if I had to make one change, I might not have had Callie's father in this episode. I might have gone a different direction. I did not workshop that direction, so I can't, like, give you a pitch. But overall, I feel like this episode just needed to be, like, kicked up a notch. Like, there were great scenes in there, and then there were just some that the whole time it was, like, going on, and I was just like, I just don't care. It almost felt like this episode and last episode should have just been one. Yeah. Like, they, I agree. they could have put, well, besides, no, because the, the cliffhanger with Izzy and George. Yeah. Like, that maybe, was nice. maybe 19 and 20 should have been one episode. Or something. Yeah. Like, this could have been an intro. Like, yeah. It really wasn't that interesting. So, anyway, next week we're going to talk about uh, season three, episode 20, Time After Time, written, written by Stacey McKee, which, yes. She's fantastic. Directed by Christopher Missiano. Yeah. Um, I don't know about him, but I know Stacey McKee is a solid writer, so mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter, at Grey's Uncut, at Hazard underscore Emily, or at Anderson underscore Becca. Send us an email to our Gmail if you have a longer question or comment at Grey's Anatomy uncut at gmail.com and we have a website it's uh blog, and that's where we have all of our episodes if you ever can't find one for whatever reason yeah i think we're all good all right bye <laughs> bye